This is episode 41 with Mark Metry of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. We interview some of the most brilliant and purpose-driven minds in business and entrepreneurship so that you can learn how to maintain success, enjoy its rewards, and take it to the next level. Together, we break down all of the myths, legends, stories, struggles, and insights behind what it takes for you to join this tribe of successful entrepreneurs to grow and stay ahead of the pack. My name is Joel Ong, and I'm your host for today, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe Podcast. First of all, I would like to thank you for sharing your earbuds with me today and taking the time out to tune in to this episode. My name is Joel, and I'm the host for this podcast. I'm also the creator of the Expert to Authority smartphone video coaching program that takes business owners from expert to authority in 90 days using just their smartphone. And before I introduce our guest for today's episode, uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, do check it out. All right? It's going to have a ton of, ton of video content for you. And I think you are going to really enjoy it. Also, you know, if you're on Facebook, do check out our business Facebook page at Tape Your Time and give us a like so that you can stay updated um, anytime we release some more new content for you. Or we, uh, we sometimes do pre-broadcast uh, for some of the awesome guests that we are getting on the show. And we sometimes do also behind-the-scenes lives of some of the actual recordings because sometimes these recordings don't come out two weeks later. So you get a head start on some of the guests that's coming up so that you can get the opportunity to ask the guests some questions. And if we pick and select your question because it's a good question, then uh, you will also get a shout-out on the episode. So today's guest, his name is Mark Metry. Now, Mark has been a guest on over 150 podcasts. And he has been featured alongside Elon Musk in Inc. Magazine. And he has also had his life story featured in Forbes via a two-hour-long video interview. And Mark has also been interviewed on various radio and TV stations alongside other media outlets like Huffington Post, Amazon Prime. And Mark talks to us about mental health. Um, he started out, if you hear his story later on in the interview, um, he started out as a uh, very shy and introverted and obese person, um, had a lot of uh, success financially when he was younger, um, but uh, at the same time, he tells us about how he struggled with that and his relationship with himself, um, his mind and how he got the whole thing started into understanding the brain and psychology and how we operate and work as human beings. And it's really interesting the some of the science that he talks about in this episode. So uh, do stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode, all right? It's going to be a very uh, packed, valued um, episode and I think you're going to get a lot of good insights from this episode. Alright, so um, I'm not going to blabber on any further and I'll let you tune in to Mark. So without further ado, let's welcome Mark Metry. So Mark, um, my first question is, how did you end up doing what you're doing today? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's a long history, but it's not too long considering I've been alive for this planet, on this planet for the last 22 years. You know, honestly, man, like I, I do so many different things. I'm... Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I'm a board member of a nonprofit. I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm an artist. I, uh, I'm a, I, I like cooking. I'm a chef. Um, I like doing a lot of different things, man. But, you know, for me, going through my experience in life, 
what I've realized is the most important thing is really what I would call kind of like this umbrella term of mental health. And, um, and I don't even like using that word. I prefer using brain health because I think there's a massive stigma around that, just like that word, mental health. I'm not sure if it's the same way in Singapore, but I know here in America, there's just a massive stigma around like, oh, mental health. Does that mean I'm weird? Does that mean that there's something wrong with me? And so that's been my primary goal because, you know, like I, I remember for me when I, you know, when I was sort of growing up as a teenager, I was always an entrepreneur. And, um, and as I got older and I became a young adult, I became very financially successful pretty early on. And despite that, I still was depressed and I had sort of always had social anxiety um, and I could never talk to people. And that turned into more serious anxiety, which then eventually led me to like being obese and even suicidal. And so going after I went through that, and then also on my podcast, Humans 2.0, top 100 in the world, you know, I, I interview people from the co-founder of, of Netflix to various leaders. And I've had people on my show tell me that, you know, when they had $700 million in their bank account, they were still depressed and they were going to kill themselves. And so after listening to all these stories, after really just going through my own life, this to me is the number one thing that people need to get in their head because, you know, establishing the right kind of mental health, you can't necessarily buy that. You know, you could buy a book, you could buy a course, you could buy a program, but at the end of the day, it's something, uh, uh, a life skill. I would even drill it down more than a life skill. It's a life fundamental that's going to be with you throughout your entire life. And I don't know personally for me, the more I dive into my mental health, my psychology, even my spirituality, my emotional health, that essentially makes me more successful in other areas of life, like being an entrepreneur, like being in business. And so kind of after going through all this, it's, I've just sort of made this my goal, at least for now. And so, um, and so, yeah, I mean, the book that I have written, it's called Screw Being Shy. And it's, uh, it's specifically about social anxiety and how to talk to people. And, uh, and the reason for that is because, you know, when I was growing up uh, as a kid, when I was about 10 years old, my parents and I, we uh, moved out of the major city in our state and we moved into a small town. And, you know, my parents immigrated to America from Egypt just a couple years before I was born. And so I remember moving to this new town that was very small with 5,000 people. And um, the really interesting part about this town was there was no racial diversity. And so um, I was essentially the only person at my school who looked different physically than everyone else. And so this was also the time in America where this was post 9-11. And so if you were Middle Eastern, you got dumped on, you got crapped on. And so for me, when I was like nine, 10 years old, I faced uh, extreme racism and a lot of abuse and a lot of bullying. And that sort of enabled me to retract and develop social anxiety. And I was stuck in this part of my mind for maybe about 10 years where I didn't have any friends. I couldn't talk to people. I was always the kid in the back of the classroom who if you talk to, he just wouldn't respond. I remember like I, even if I went to like a store or if I went to like a cafe or a restaurant, I couldn't even speak to the waiter or the waitress. And so um, after going through that, 
what I kind of call as a, uh, a hellhole out of my own mind, like my own prison, because I actually had no idea this was happening and it was restricting my behavior. And the best way that I can use to describe this is, um, is like, you know, goldfish, like fish. And um, let's, okay, so there's two goldfish in a, in a bowl and they're swimming around. And one goldfish says to the other fish, you know, hey, how's the temperature of the water? And then the goldfish responds back and says, wait, what's water? And so water is this invisible substance that these goldfish are swimming around all day, but yet it's invisible. And so if a fish tries to, let's say, go above water, it tries to jump, it can't. And so the water is holding it back. That's the same way that I view anxiety. That's the same way that I view really any problem that somebody goes through in the first part of their life, because they're so surrounded by it. A lot of the times they don't even know that it's a thing. And so for me, I didn't even know I had social anxiety and I just thought that there was something wrong with me. And so kind of after going through that, eventually I went off to college and, um, and I kind of uh, fell down a, uh, a darker spiral where I began to really hate my life. I began to eat a ton of food. Next thing I know, I've gained like 70 pounds. Now I'm 220 pounds. My lifelong social anxiety now transforms into social isolation. I begin to get depressed for the first time in my life, which eventually leads me to be suicidal where I hit kind of like my rock bottom. This is like in 2015. And after that, that is really like where I began to just take small steps in my life. And then years and years after that, you know, then I started my business, then I started my podcast, then I started sort of like my quote unquote personal brand. And I began to push this information out there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been an absolutely crazy journey, man, for sure. And I'm grateful I get to tell it on platforms like these. All right. Yes. Awesome, man. Appreciate it, Mark. Um, I, I want to take you back to that social anxiety thing. I mean, um, I, I personally struggle with, you know, like depression, mental health. Because um, in mm. Singapore, like uh, every uh, male that's aged 18 has to uh, get conscripted into the military for two years. Yeah. So um, I was like, same as you, like this shy guy, but um, I was pretty skinny. Um, and, uh, you know, always at the back of class, didn't like got picked on and stuff like that. And, um, you know, when you shave your head and then you go into a boot camp with 50 under male strangers <laughs> and, you know, you're just constantly made to run around all the time. Like it, right. it, could, it can be, like you say, like a water, right? That's like holding you back because you don't know anything better. So um, I want to take you back there because you mentioned that like um, you didn't have any friends, but I understand, you know, like uh, you were doing a little bit of like, was it like Minecraft or something um, at the time, right? Like, Wait, it was like what? Sorry. Um, you had virtual friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's the right word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so I mean, growing up, I mean, it was interesting, right? So when I was in school, I remember that um, I had friends, but um, but they weren't real friends. And what I mean is like, I would just sort of like randomly hang out with people to almost give the illusion that I had friends, but in reality, I didn't. And so, um, like, I remember I would uh, I would just sit next to like random people to almost just like give this illusion that I had friends because I didn't want anybody to think of me um, as a loser. And so I also at that same time, like because I couldn't make friends in real life, 
then I began to go on the internet. And I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's really where my uh, kind of like my entrepreneurial journey started when I was like 11, 12, when I got on the internet. And, um, you know, I played a lot of video games, you know, I had virtual friends. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting. Uh, to say the least, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I um, and, and and Egypt also um, has conscription for um, for its people, uh, which I'm definitely not a fan of. But uh, I definitely think it can teach you some, you know, a thing or two if you're forced to do it. Egypt's conscription is definitely different from Singapore. I think you could die there or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually very fascinated and curious. Like um, for you. I mean, I'm I'm making some assumptions here, but I guess like you, you, yeah. at the beginning, you were doing things because you needed to feel important, or like you know, you were chasing significance. Like, I think it's normal as a adolescent mm. kid doing that. Um, so like, how has your yeah. perspective um shifted or changed right now um to what it is today? Because I think for someone listening, um, having that self awareness to maybe realize that they are having some patterns that you know, maybe unhealthy would be useful. Mm. So like, could you tell us like, what are the, you know, core differences between uh, how your perspective has shifted from back then and right now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So one thing that sticks out to me is sort of like how I viewed success. And, um, and when I was growing up, I never thought about what success means. I never actually thought about what being happy means. Um, and for me, you know, because my parents, they, they immigrated to this country with $200, um, we didn't really have any money growing up. And so um, kind of had a very simple childhood. And, um, and, and so, you know, what I've learned is that if you grow up without something, and but yet if the other people around you have money or they have some kind of wealth, then your brain just starts to think that, oh, I have all these problems because I don't have this thing, you know, I don't have this money to go to these places, to buy these things, to just live this life. And, you know, if I had money, then I would be happy. And so for me, um, I remember my mindset slowly began to, uh, or my perspective rather, began to shift when I was about 15, 16 years old. And I became pretty financially successful, independent. I started making um, uh, six figures, hundreds of thousands of dollars at a pretty young age. And when that happened, I, um, I honestly got really confused and I just sort of like looked around and I'm like, wait, I had this money. I've reached like the supposed definition of happiness or success in my head. But yet, like in my, in my own brain, in my own mindset, I still think I'm a loser. I still hate myself. And so when that kind of happened, it definitely, um, shifted my perspective and it, it kind of made me confused and I didn't really know what to do with my life. And so I think from ages like 16 to when I made that money until maybe ages 18, that's where, that's where my perspective really began to get confusing because I had nobody around me that could teach me these things. You know, I was making more money than anybody around me. I had exceeded sort of my, um, my growth for the environment that I was in. And so when that happens for me, I just began to get really nihilistic in the sense of, I don't know if you know what that word means, but um, it's essentially like you think that life doesn't matter. You think that life is meaningless. It's the rejection of all uh, religious, moral fundamentals and principles in the world. And so that eventually got me to being um, 
you know, really depressed. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't, it's kind of hard to think about now, but I think my main perspective back then was just like, how do I change myself? How, like, I, I'm so freaking sick and tired of being sick and tired of being lazy, of being depressed, of not being able to talk to people when I want to talk to them of, of, uh, and like, you know, when, when you have social anxiety, it's not like you can exactly choose the kind of career you want to do because you just uh, default to, you know, sort of the least amount of work possible. And so I was just looking at these areas and I was like, man, I don't have a girlfriend. Nobody likes me, all these different things. And so, I mean, eventually it was just the, the motive of trying to um, just like totally reinvent myself in the sense of like, I felt like for the first 18 years of my life, I had just sort of accepted what was given to me. And that's not the way that you live your life. And so for me, it was like, how can I go back and like rewire, redo, um, reimagine, re-engineer, reconstruct my brain, my psychology, who I am. And so it wasn't even necessarily about like the external world. It wasn't even about making money. It wasn't even about making a business because I had sort of done that, but yet it didn't make me happy. And so after that, I really began to kind of understand more about you know, human nature and the human condition and, and, um, and, and our behavior and how we react in certain instances and how, you know, neuroscience comes into play. And then that, you know, I mean, it's been a long journey. It's been like four or five years of this, but uh, I think my perspective always shifts, man. Like I think every month, every two weeks, my perspective shifts, to be honest with you, because I'm always learning. I'm always trying to um, look at my ego and dismantle it because that is something that never stops. And so um, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and, then, and then because of that, you see that outwardly in everything that somebody does, whether it's their business, their podcast, their book, their social media posts. And so, um, and so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if I answered your question correctly, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's a correct or wrong answer either. I mean, I, I used to be of the perspective that like, oh, there was a right answer for something. And I realized like you say right. like, oh man, it's just my ego coming up because I think I know what's the right answer. <laughs> it's like, it, and it comes up yeah. in such subtle ways. Like um, for, for me, um, a lot of times like I depend or rely on some of my friends who are close to me to be able to uh, point out when it comes up. Um, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it gets the better of me. So for you, like, um, how have you been able to, you know, maintain your state or energy? Because, you know, sometimes I think it's really hard for uh, an individual to just, you know, power through. I don't think that's like, I think the most efficient, effective way to go about doing it. So, I mean, how do you actually... Yeah, I, I love the word. Yeah, and I love the word that you use there, power through. And like, th- like that's, what, that's the word that I would use to describe like the first 18 years of my life. If I had a problem, if I had anything, I would just power through. And like that can get you, that can get you some degree of success. That can get you some degree of results. But eventually something breaks. <laughs> and then you have to be like, whoa, 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 like I can't power through anymore. What's happening? And so for me, I think the biggest thing is is this. And I, we kind of chatted about this beforehand. So when I kind of look at it like this broad term, of mental health, I view, I view two sides of the coin. Okay. I view one side of the coin as like, am I actually the person who, who I'm trying to be? 
And so for me, when I was growing up and I had social anxiety and I had put so many boundaries around my life, I had, I remember every night as a kid, I would go to sleep and I would have so many regrets and I would have so much anxiety about what I said, or I wish I could have said to people. And so I think that's one part of it, like kind of your purpose, what you're doing here on planet earth and maybe like the people around you, whether they're toxic or whether they're nice. Then I think the other side of the coin, which I think is, is uh, depending on where you are, it could be an easier spot to start out with. And that is somebody's biochemistry. And so, you know, one of the most, you know, one of the most mind blowing things, Joel, that I learned was that, you know, before I actually knew what fear was, it, it just sort of is like this force on you that controls your behavior that you're not really conscious of that makes you do things that you don't really want to do. And the moment that I actually began to research and look at what fear is, fear is a biochemical response by your nervous system. And so when I began to look at the neuroscience and the underlying biochemistry of like what is happening in our brain, you very quickly realize that, you know, without getting too empirical, because I'm definitely a spiritual person, life is essentially, your experience of life is essentially your brain secreting different brain chemicals and neurotransmitters firing. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I think a major part of mental health has to do with somebody's biochemistry, has to do with somebody's neurotransmitters. And I never learned that. And so, and I think there's a lot of people in self-development, self-improvement, this whole industry that still don't even believe that, that are just trying to, you know, help somebody with their mental health just through what I call the software, which is like the mindset the positive negative thoughts. I think that's all great, but I don't really think that that is the underlying uh, hardware that the software is running on. And so for me, when I began to do research and I began to see that there's a, there's a specific neurotransmitter called serotonin. And uh, serotonin is talked about a lot in mental health circles and also in leadership communities like Simon Sinek talks about it. And serotonin is a neurotransmitter that does a lot of things in our lives from it regulates our mood, regulates our digestion, regulates our sexual desire, regulates uh, our functioning in social groups. And so when I did that research and I found that there's literally a neurotransmitter that controls how you behave in groups. And then you begin to look at the other research that says people with social anxiety and other mental health issues have a dysfunction in serotonin in their body. And then I began to look at it, Joel, and the, the biggest mind-blowing thing was that like 20 years ago, uh, most scientists had always assumed in the world, had assumed that because serotonin is a neurotransmitter, it's got to be in your brain. And that's only partly true. The last 10, 15 years of the latest science has actually showed that 90 to 95% of serotonin is actually in your gut microbiome. It's not in your brain. And then when you look at sort of how this plays into mental health, you know, I have a subsection in my book that's titled, first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And I talk about the only time in my life where I was seriously depressed and even suicidal was the time where I gained 70 pounds because I was eating 
a ton of crappy food. And then you begin to look at it and it's like, what are the two major things that affect our serotonin uh, production? And you look at it, number one is if your gut microbiome is in a constant state of stress, either due to you're in a really, really, really bad toxic environment. Let's say you have abusive parents and every time you go home, you're threatened if they're going to beat you or not. That can cause it. Uh, some sort of psychological trauma that happened earlier on in your life that you never processed and understood. And the other biggest one, number two, is your dietary choices. And so I think that's sort of what broke uh, the chain for me where I kind of fell into that depression was your diet is so important for regulating your mental health that not a lot of people know. And, you know, there's no such thing as a universal healthy diet. There's no such thing as, oh, you should go keto or you should go plant-based or you should go this. It doesn't exist. Everyone's gut microbiome is different. But the one fundamental that is true is that you should not, um, you should not be eating uh, processed foods, things that have been invented by scientists and made by factories, by companies that you know, don't really care about you and are just trying to increase their profit margin. And so that, was, for me, was probably the most mind-blowing thing and the craziest part about this, Joel, is that there are food manufacturers, like major global food manufacturers, that um, like in, the, in Europe, in the European Union, they have banned 500 of these artificial ingredients to be used in food products. And yet, if you go to America, the same companies that are selling the same thing in Europe that have changed their ingredients to make them less toxic are selling the same exact toxic ingredients in America. And so when you begin to look at this and you begin to look at the science, uh, there's, I mean, there's a study I talked about in my book that was done in the UK where they found that kids who consume um, food dyes, so like this is a lot in snack products, this is a lot in candy, anything that's basically brightly colored, it's like uh, blue six, yellow 40, red five, those have been shown to not only cause cancer, but also causes behavioral issues like ADD in children. And so when you begin to look at this, there's a major, major part of what's going on. Because what we don't know is that when you eat a food, your gut microbiome actually processes that first, and then it sends it off to your body. And so depending on what the kind of food you're putting in, that could bring all sorts of dysfunction. And that can be an issue that can cause either anxiety, a mental health problem, or it could cause obesity, or it could cause insomnia. It really depends on the person and that specific biochemical reaction. And so those are the, those are the two sort of halves that I kind of see that this way can play out that people can begin to uh, look at. Man, Mark, I wish I knew this um, years ago. <laughs> I, I, ha- I had this mind blown thing as well. Like, uh, cause I had a friend who just told me like, um, you know, like I look, I love the fact that you talk about the correlation. Like you are what you eat, and it sounds so counterintuitive, but it's like so simple. Right. Like he just he just gave me an example. Right, the friend of mine. Like he just said, "Why don't you do an experiment? Like it's a calculated experiment. Uh, try one month eating like shit. Um, you yeah. know, like not going to the gym." not sleeping right, um, you know, not taking care of your body. And yeah. then you feel like shit about yourself because you don't take care of your body. So why would you be proud of it? It's like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then 
And then the other thing I love you talk about was the the whole guru shit thing. Um, I, we call it guru, <laughs> we just call it guru shit because it's like I, I and I fell into that trap. Like we would sit there and we would like try to meditate on things and hopefully feel better about ourselves. And then when we go out there and then you know like meet someone, then our old triggers come back. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't even help. It just made us feel good. Like. Um, so I love the fact that you talk about the, the biochemistry and, you know, like the fear of being on autopilot all the time. Like that's the, that's the way I would, um, think about it. Like, you know, you go about your day on autopilot. You don't really, you're not really mindful or conscious of like what's happening in your body and how you're feeling about it. I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I understand that we are running a bit short on time, but, uh, I would love to, of course, have a part two um, some other time. But before that, um, one last question for you. Um, and I think this pertains to, you know, the, the whole coronavirus thing that's happening right now. Um, I think I understand mm. that, you know, there are business owners who are, you know, so struggling in business. There are people losing their jobs mm. off the payroll. Um, you know, worst case is family members getting sick or, you know, unfortunately uh, succumb yeah. to the disease. And people have this whole struggle with their mental health. I think uh, the way I would think about it also would be like, you call it brain health, I would say like mental fitness. Like for me, it was like, it's like a mm. muscle that you train. Yeah. So like for them, um, my question is like, what would be the the one, if you could pick one thing to that they need to... um consistently remember at the back of their minds so that you know they could not only weather this pandemic but also you know prosper from it like grow stronger from it be like anti-fragile from yeah. it um, and then you know have a have a majorly different result in you know the next 10 years to come uh, what would that be for yeah. them in terms of you know quote-unquote mental health yeah yeah so i'll give you i'll give you three steps okay Number one is uh, go to Amazon <laughs> or go to Barnes and Nobles and uh, and look up uh, Screwing Shy because you know there's only so much information and practicality that I can give on a podcast, especially in the last two minutes. And so, check that book out. Get the digital version. The audio book is going to be up soon. Get the paperback version, whatever, and uh, and read it and get back to me with your thoughts. Number two is um, you have to take it day by day. You have to focus on the, the the 24 hours, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna address the future in a bit, but you have to take it day by day. And, I, and so, what I would say is like, depending on how well you know yourself, if you operate well under a schedule or or you don't, um, find like three things that you love doing and just do them throughout the day and just focus on today. And I think a lot of people are freaking out right now because including myself, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of um, uncertainty in the world. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so if you can just focus on what you can control day by day, making a schedule for yourself, you know, talking about the habits and the actions that, that you and I have talked about in this podcast and in my book, that will provide you with some structure. And then number three is you have to build hope. You have to build the future for yourself. And this is where I think it kind of comes into like if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur like me. So at the same time, you have to take it day by day because you have to not freak out and you have to focus on what you can control. But as a business owner, you have to also focus on the future because if you don't, then you may not be in business in the future. And so 
what I would say is if you can construct some sort of a compelling future for yourself where you can imagine you're like, okay, so, you know, speaking uh, in-person events are out the door. How can I adapt? How can I move to this? And honestly, I'm not even talking about the strategy so much, but I'm just talking about like in your brain, like in your psychology, if you don't have hope, you're screwed. And I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. They, they see this quarantine, they see this thing that's never happened before, and people are not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Whether this lasts for another two weeks, one month, two months, nobody knows, this will eventually end. And so if you can understand the end in mind and have hope, then I would totally recommend it. And actually, speaking of, I have a podcast episode uh, going out today on my show, Humans 2.0, that's all about this. And so, um, and so yeah, that's what I tell people to, to check out. Number one, the book. Number two, you got to take it day by day, hour by hour. Number three, you have to focus on building hope, on building a future for yourself. Because if you don't have that, then you're going to get depressed and you're never going to do anything. And so um, that's what I would say to people. And Joel, thank you so much for having me on, man. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I was about to ask my usual last question, which is, how can people get in touch with you? Um, so like, how else can they do that besides the book and the podcast? Yeah, so I think probably the best way is if you just go to my website, uh, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. I'm sure you'll leave a link in the description. That's, uh, that's just my main website. People can check out everything I've got going on from uh, podcasts to any events to, uh, you know, if anyone wants to hit me on social media, you're totally free to do so. And, um, and yeah, man. Uh, thank you so much, dude. This has been great. Thank you very much, Mark. Pleasure to have you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Entrepreneur's Tribe podcast. Now, if you are a purpose-driven business owner or expert and you want to create more impact and growth, head over to tapeyourtime.com, T-A-P-E-Y-O-U-R-T-I-M-E.com to download your free PDF on the top three mistakes that coaching experts make using video. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or share this with friends and family. Once again, I want to appreciate you for sharing your earbuds with me today. Till next time, bye-bye.